Hey everybody, this is JustinFrugalSnobs.com. It's an intro for episode 82 of the Frugal Snobs podcast. Christina and I are hanging out at Cap City Brewing today, Friday, January 6, 2017. Say hello, Christina. Hello. So we thought we'd come out and have a couple of brews this evening. I wanted to bring everybody a quick drink review for an ESB, that being the Bull Run ESB here at Cap City Brewing. It's locally brewed here in Shillington, Virginia. 4.9% ABV, 36 IBU, very drinkable beer. No aromatics on, the, on, on this thing, everybody, but it is being served to me a little bit warmer than I'd like, around 60 degrees Fahrenheit. I'd lower the temperature a little bit, enjoy some pub grub. But a very drinkable beer. Again, that is the Bull Run ESB. I'll bring another quick drink review at the tail end of the show, so stick around for that. Until then, everyone enjoy the show. Be well, never pay retail. And I'll see you guys again after the episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Frugal Snobs podcast, the award-winning on-demand audio experience that has never won an award, but that could all change. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music, or check us out on Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. Find out more by visiting frugalsnobs.com. While you're there, be sure to help out the project by taking the Podtrack survey, directly donating via PayPal, or by doing your Amazon shopping through the Frugal Snobs associate link. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter at Frugal Snobs or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash frugal snobs. And now, on to the episode. Justin from frugalsnobs.com. Welcome to episode 82 of the Frugal Snobs podcast. Today is Sunday, January 8th, 2017. Now, we're going to get to this topic pretty quickly in this show pretty quickly because we actually have a lot to do today. So I say hello, Christina. Hello. So I apologize, everybody, for seeming a bit serious, but... We have a lot of things to do, a lot of things to get out of the way, and quite frankly, I'm not in a very good mood today, am I? No, it's been crazy this morning. Yes, it's been very crazy. We've had headaches, hassles, and horse pucky around here. All weekend. We're also looking at moving our studio, and quite frankly, it's cold outside. Yeah, I would say, um, you said it was about 23 degrees, negative six, uh, 20, negative 20, it's 23 Fahrenheit, negative 6 Celsius. Yes, so it's pretty cold outside, but I did want to thank everybody for their listenership of episode 81 of the Frugal Snuts podcast. A couple of things with that. One, if you hear on this episode or the previous episode a bit of a buzzing sound or a bit of feedback, we do apologize for that. We are getting acclimated to the new equipment uh, from the holiday period, so we're going to be doing our best to also move forward with cleaning up some of the sound quality for the show. We want to improve the quality, of course, for the listener experience, so we do apologize for that. Now, also, I did want to let everyone know in advance that potentially, due to the relocation effort, we may be taking a break from podcasting for a couple of weeks. I know we just got out of a break for the end of 2016, but again, we have a lot of things to move equipment, to move, etc., to get relocated. So we might be taking a break uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I will keep everyone abreast of that. Hope everybody enjoyed the reviews from Cap City Brewing, both our intro uh, on this episode, as well as we have another quick drink review at the tail end of the episode, so stick around for that, for the double mosaic. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, but I do hope everybody enjoyed the Bull Run uh, ESB, that's Extra Special Bitters, that I reviewed at the beginning of the episode. Now, <clears throat> pardon me, folks, uh, we do have a very quick story that's quite funny from Cap City Brewing. Christina, what did you see at Cap City Brewing on January 6th? I mean, it's an unfortunate story, and I say that because there were two men and a baby at the bar when we walked in and when we left. Well, one, you got to start the kids young, you know, got to be responsible. And number two, it was interesting. It sounds like a punchline, doesn't it? Yeah. Two men and a baby walk into a bar, and they were handing this baby back and forth. Yes, they were, and they, there was a bottle on the bar. It was it was odd. Yes. It was very odd. And you mean a baby bottle, right? Yes. <laughs> so, 
That was weird. I didn't say what I was filled with. That's true, but it was a very, very weird experience. Now, yesterday morning, folks, um, we did go out and pick up a couple of freebies, as always, from our local Harris Teeter grocery store. If you are part of a rewards program, make sure you get your free stuff if you get it or your points or whatever have you. Um, but we did go out and pick up a couple of freebies yesterday morning in the frozen tundra. Uh, we picked up uh, two Chobani smoothies. We also picked up two Murachan uh, bowls as well. And I do have one quick funny story about the Murachan bowls. They're actually very good. I had the spicy miso soup as one of the bowls. Uh, and then also the other two bowls were the sukiyaki, which is also what we picked up, I believe. Yes. And the other bowl variety was the tangusu. Yes. So yesterday, folks, I asked about sukiyaki, right? I also asked about tangusu. So I'm going to talk to Google here for a second. And there we go. Sorry, folks. I just got myself an alert. So I, do I have everybody a beer? I used to owe people a beer when I got alerts. Oh, if they can find you. That's true. Or if I got... Te- no, actually, when I got a text, Yes. I always owed people a beer, but that was not a text. It was an alert. So I asked Google yesterday about uh, sukiyaki. I also asked about tangusu. So let me go ahead and demonstrate the responses. So first, let's talk about sukiyaki. What is sukiyaki? According to Wikipedia, sukiyaki is a Japanese dish that is prepared and served in the nabimono style. Wow. Informative. Yes. Now let's talk about tangusu. Okay, Google. What is tangusu? According to Wikipedia, the Tunguska event was a large explosion that occurred near the stuff. Now, you just heard it, folks. The Tunguska event. Now, for everybody who doesn't know what the Tunguska event was, I'll go through it very quickly, and it's not because I just saw it on Wikipedia on my phone. The Tunguska event was a very large um, astrological event, I should say, um, in which, or should I say, um, yeah, I, I guess um, astrological event might might fit, or an aeronautical event, maybe aeronautical event is better, um, in which basically a large crater was found in the Tunguska area of Siberia. And again, no one knows how the crater was actually formed. They believe it was probably a, a, a meteor that had actually crashed and hit the Earth. Um, but at any rate... As you can see, that's not Tungusu. No. And also, yesterday when I was asking Google about Tungusu, it might have just been location or background noise, I kept getting results for Tom Cruise. Yeah, we weren't looking for him. That's right. So he was out chasing somebody else who was 20 years younger than him. Anyway, <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into the topic um, this week. But that was odd. So before we actually, you know what, before we get into the topic, let's tell the uh, whole Panera saga from yesterday. Ugh. So yesterday, folks... Christina's parents were very nice and sent a Panera gift card for my birthday. And by the way, folks, I am now years old, but I will tell everybody that I'm old enough to run for president. Exactly. That's right. We can change this around here. So I'm now old enough to run for president. Justin for president. Frugal Snobs for president. <laughs> so this is the beginning of our presidential campaign. Yes. <laughs> Didn't say when you're running. That's but... Right. <laughs> but I can now run for president. So at any rate, folks, we decided to go out yesterday morning. Uh, I joined the Panera Rewards Program, and as part of that, I also was given a free pastry. But we'll get to that here in a second. So, went to Panera Bread yesterday to start getting some items together for the podcast this week. And again, we've had some headaches, hassles, and horse pucky with getting the podcast even together this week. But at any rate, went to Panera yesterday, found a table, and a couple of things happened. One, we sat down. It's already cold outside. It was around 23 degrees Fahrenheit yesterday morning. It was starting to spit snow, so to speak, or slightly mist uh, with a little bit of snow mist uh, yesterday. Uh, it's an angry mist, as a, or, or a dark mist, as Christina calls it. I think an angry mist is what you called it. Evil! An evil mist. <laughs> yes, evil mist. So it was evilly misting yesterday morning. So we decided to go out and get something to eat, plan for the show. 
I had a coffee to also warm me up. So we got to a table at the uh, location nearby where the studio is, and everybody, we sat down and felt a, a draft immediately. We look up, we see what, a vent? Yes. That was spewing cold air. Yes. Now, eventually, during our time at Panera, that vent w- would eventually get to a point where it was spewing warm air. Yes. And billowing heat. That's wonderful, unless you're sitting right under it. Ugh, we, we started to actually get really warm. So, again, a couple of weird things. One, I did not enjoy the customer experience. It was very loud. Yes. We only got 30 minutes of Wi-Fi for peak times, which, of course, it was a weekend, so that didn't count. But, again, still, that's not right. And, two, if we needed a power outlet, we were SOL, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, family-friendly show, of course. Um, essentially, at this location, Panera had removed all of the power outlets. Yes, unfortunately. And they didn't even cover them up well. They so, just put silver plates on a cream wall. So let me get this straight. So let me remove the customer experience or diminish it because I want fixed pricing on utilities. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So that was not good. Christina also saw a very disgusting scene, someone dribbling milk out of the side of their mouth. An adult. Yes, and she didn't even seem... Phased by it. Exactly. Like, she wasn't cognizant of what was going on around her. She was just... I mean, the girl was about a half inch. It was disgusting. Yes, and there were also, of course, little kids running around. People weren't watching them. It was loud in the back area. It it was horrible. I felt like I was at a deli. Yeah. That's right. I felt like I was at a deli. I mean, what happened to the ambiance of going to, even if it's a chain coffee shop? What 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 happened to that? Panera used to be upscale. And then, and then, as we are leaving, a 20-something young Asian female was walking in, sighed because we were leaving and she wanted to get in. Well, you know what? You can wait. That's right. You can wait. You are not that important. If it's cold outside, you should have planned ahead. People leaving basically have a right of way. It's ridiculous. Was it not? Yeah, agreed. Did you roll your eyes at this person? Uh, I did. I didn't even acknowledge her. Good for you. Very good for you. Ugh. People. <laughs> yes, people. So this week, folks, we wanted to go ahead and get into the topic. Um, it is cold outside, so we're going to go ahead and wrap the episode, hopefully as quickly as we can. Um, I am speaking quickly. I apologize, but we got things to do today. But we still have a commitment to everyone out there. So today we wanted to talk about financial resolutions for 2017. And this also includes improving your credit, uh, getting your hands on uh, potentially some investment instruments that might help you, checking your credit score a little more and your FICO score a little more aggressively, and also getting your money into accelerating investment vehicles or instruments that might help you, including high-yield online savings accounts. Now, these accounts used to actually be very high in terms of their percentage uh, of return. I mean, we're looking at 6 to 8% in some cases. Yeah. So if you put $100,000 away at 8%, that's $8,000 you're going to get back on your money at the end of the year every year. You don't see that anymore. No. Now, and we'll get into that. So you might see 1% now at, at a peak or 1.0x% at a peak or 1.1%, but we'll get into that shortly. So Christina did some exhaustive research, and everybody, uh, you'll be able to get links for all of the items that we talk about today uh, by going to FrugalSnobs.com. We have replaced uh, a couple of the widgets on the homepage with a podcast notes widget. So what I mean by that is just below the login section, and by the way, you need to be a registered user at FrugalSnobs.com to get your hands on the podcast show notes. So make sure you get out there and register. Um, Basically, below the login widget on the homepage, you will see a widget for the five most recent editions of the podcast show notes. So we have links there for everything we talk about here today, including Capital City Brewing, uh, and of course all the the items we talk about in the topic this week. So we're also going to make it a resolution to try to get show notes out ahead of time and follow the show notes throughout the episodes as we move forward. So, all right, Christina, so you did some research. Yes. On different vehicles and and different areas of your financial portfolio, etc. Yes. And the first thing you did your research on was the credit score. Yes. What the credit score means in terms of the FICO score, how it's rated. So, And there's actually two different <laughs> scores. There's a FICO score, yep. 
and an educational score. Okay, so can you tell me the difference between the two? Well, I mean, basically, what really matters is the FICO score. That is where most banks get their information and decide whether or not, or whether how much they're going to loan you. Right, so your credit worthiness or your risk. Exactly. Basically, it's your risk premium, everybody. And, I mean, and about 90% of lenders use the FICO score over the educational score. Right, and the FICO score is basically based on a score that is comprised from three different bureaus, etc. Um, but I did want to mention... Um, basically, you can think of your FICO score, your credit score, so to speak, as your worthiness score. I think people don't think of it that way. But essentially, I was I was talking to Christina about this this morning because we were talking about closing credit cards, etc. We'll get to that as well as part of the discussion. But essentially, your FICO score, you can think of it as your risk score. You either are low risk because you have a high score, in other words, a high probability of paying back debt mm-hmm. and high solvency, which insolvency is a very nice banking or economic word for... Uh, liquidity or ability to pay, um, or you have a very low score, which means you are high risk, meaning that your probability of paying back debt, especially large debt, is very low, and you may default on that debt. So the relationship with interest rates, and I'll let Christina get to her scale here in a second. This also falls into line with the relationship with interest rates. So, for example, if you were to try to pick up a credit card or a loan. If you have very little collateral for a loan, so a house, a car, et cetera, anything a bank can take or liquidate to get their money back, uh, basically your interest rate is going to be extremely high. Uh, For example, believe it or not, because I do not drive a car, my interest rate tends to be higher because of that. I have nothing the bank can take, so to speak. So if you have collateral uh, or liquid cash, your risk premium is essentially lower. So your probability of borrowing large amounts of money is very, very low. For example, in my case, because I'm heavily solvent, my probability to borrow a large amount of cash is very low. So typically when you borrow large amounts of money, your risk is extremely low if you have enough solvency. So your rate of interest will be lower because it's a risk. So the relationship is that if you have a high credit worthiness, so to speak, or a high credit score, your interest rates on credit cards will usually be lower. If you have a lower credit score or you have bad credit or, or weakened credit, your interest rates will be higher because your risk premium is higher on giving you a credit card, especially an unsecured credit card. We'll get to that in a second. So, Christina, when it comes to the credit score, okay, you have several, how do I put it? Tiers. Strata. Okay, so tiers. So it starts out with 850. Yeah, that's the highest you can get it, and that's with the exceptional credit. And What's what's the lowest uh, area of exceptional? So what's the range for exceptional? I was just about to get to that. Exceptional ranges from 800 points to 850 points. Okay, so... I have what? You have exceptional credit. I have exceptional credit. <laughs> okay. So what's the next tier? And the next tier is very good, which is 739 to 799. Mm-hmm. Good at 669 to 738. Mm-hmm. Fair at 579 to 668. And anything under 5, it's 578 and lower is poor credit. Okay. So I know for a lot of people out there who may have poor credit or just on the cusp of a given strata, There are ways to improve your credit, and we'll get to that here in a second. We wanted to talk about um, different methods for improving your credit, also extending your credit worthiness as well in this episode. NerdWallet, I think, is a good good resource. Very good resource, and also discover.com has their credit 101, which really breaks down for you 
how... Did you get your credit score from the Discoverer site? I got it from the scorecard, yes. Okay, so the Discoverer scorecard, credit scorecard? Yes. A um, couple of things, folks. Discover is not a sponsor of the show, neither is NerdWallet. We just prefer to use their tools. They have very easy-to-understand language in their documents. Now, we've used Credit Karma, but I'm not a huge fan of Credit Karma. I, I don't like them either. And the nice part is with Discover, you do not have to put a credit card in to get your... Scorecard. And also to inquire into your score, the inquiries don't affect your your score, right? Exactly. Um, I think you also had a breakdown at some point, and if you don't have it in front of you, that's okay. But I think you had a breakdown of what comprises your credit score in terms and of percentages. Th- that's what I was making my way to do. Okay. Okay, the first one at 35%. Weight of the 100% of yes. your credit score. So 35% of the contribution to your credit score is what? Is based on payment history. So basically, are you paying on time or are you paying more than the minimum? And that makes sense because... Can you pay what you borrow, or are you just going to borrow and not return it? You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say what the banker's going to say, or your lender in, in general. Where's my money? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I gave you, I, I, I didn't give you money, I lent you money. Exactly. That's right. This is not a gift, okay? This is a, this is a lending relationship. And then this is, that ties perfectly into the next one at 30% of the weight is based on the amounts that you owe. So 65% of yes. your credit score, your FICO score, so to speak. It's based upon a strong payment history, so frequency of payment. Yes. Amount of payment probably falls in there as well. Yes. And then residual debt owed. Yes. So in other words, if you owe $300,000 and you're making $25,000 a year, that doesn't bode well for you. No, you're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, even if you owed $300,000 and were making six figures, if you're making $100,000 and owe three times more than what you make, yes, that's not good. Especially given that's gross pay. Yeah. Not net. Not, not net. So... Um, okay, so that's 65% of the total FICO score. What's the other percentages? Uh, 15% comes from the length that you've had credit history. That's 80%. So that's the, the, the length of your credit history. So for any younger listeners out there, before we get to the next section, uh, for any, any younger listeners out there, make sure if you're going to get a credit card, make sure that you get a credit card with a decent credit limit that's smaller. It'll help you also build credit and build credit worthiness younger. I mean, I had my first platinum card when I was 19. Wow. How did you do that? Well, easy. You work, you save money, you pay your bills, even when you're 18 years old. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? You do all those things when you're young. The more stuff you do younger, the better off you will be served when you get older, by the way. It, it, that, that's pretty common sense. Yes. Uh, very, very common sense. Yes. Hey, hey, hey. I'm a guy. What can I say? Yeah. But you're my co-host, so I guess you're right. So but, I, but that's 80% right there. But we got to keep in mind, some parents don't teach their kids financial common sense. And then they sue their parents for their college tuition money and their college funds because they basically ran up a ton of credit card debt. Yes. It's like, where do you think the money comes from? Banks? Well, yeah, but there comes a price of borrowing. Exactly. It's a I mean, business. Banks are businesses. Yes, they're not out to help you. We've talked about this on the on show before, but at, at less length. Or less detail. But yes, a bank or a lender is there to lend you money. They're not giving you money. They're lending you money. So basically everything you buy, they own. Exactly. Until you pay for it. Same thing with a mortgage. And I wanted to mention this before we get into the other 20% of the credit score. Um, With a mortgage, everybody says, well, I own my home. Actually, no, you don't. The bank owns it. Yep. If you pay a mortgage, you are paying a payment for your home. You do not own it. And until you make that last payment... And make no more payments. The bank has every right to come and take your home. Okay? Exactly. They own it. That's why you have a mortgage to pay the lender. When you make your first payment, it's like you're buying the doorknob. That's right. Is that what your parents always say? 
No. As, as they own property? I saw that on another TV show. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but... My parents also own property, because, you know, life is so hard for us at the Frugal Stops. Anyway. So, okay, because your parents have a couple of properties. My parents have a couple of properties, too. Yeah. You know, we're oh so hard up at the Frugal Stops. But anyway, and my parents' properties are in Florida. Your parents' properties are in the mountains of Pennsylvania, so we can go skiing. Nice. <laughs> anyway, beach or mountains. That's nice. See? Pays me for snub. Best of both worlds. That's right. So, okay, so the other 20% of the credit score is what? 10% represents the new lines of credit opened. Okay, so if you open new lines of credit and extend your some line of credit or your communal or aggregate line of credit, yes. how often do you do that as well? Yes. So if you, let's say, I just want to give a scenario here. Let's say you're 25 years old. Um, and you decide that you have $8,000 worth of available credit in your credit line. So yes. you, have three, you have two cards. Let's make it easy math. Let's say, actually say four cards with a $2,000 credit limit per card. Let's say you then open a, another um, card and it extends your credit line to, let's say, $12,000. Yes. That may actually hurt you if you keep opening cards in a frequent or a, a rapid-fire fashion. If you're extending your total line of credit that way, people are going to wonder why you're doing that. Um, also some debt is good debt as well. Now I also wanted to mention here the closing of a credit card. Yes. Do not close your credit cards, people pay them off, cut them up. Do not close them. Cause if you close the credit card, everybody that reduces your available credit, some aggregate total, right? So wouldn't you rather be trusted to borrow up to $12,000 than borrow eight or seven or six closing cards will, will basically, um, shorten your line of credit. Make sure that you keep your line of credit open. Once you close it, don't close the card. Once you pay the card off, cut it up. Just cut it up. If they send you new cards, don't activate them. Leave the credit worthiness available. Trust me, it will help you. Okay. And then the final 10% is based on the types of credit that you have. So, Lo- like car loans, bank, uh, house loans, credit cards. Actually, that's, that's a good thing to send student loans, etc. Yes. Um, there is a concept, like I said, there is some good debt. Um, there is what is known as acceptable debt versus unacceptable debt. Acceptable debt is things that you need in order to improve one standard of living. So student loans for college. Yes. That is acceptable debt. Make sure you pay those off, by the way. Car loan. Car loan, same thing, depending. I mean, you got to get from point A to point B. Home loan can probably be also considered there if it's for a reasonable amount. Yes. Again, we don't want another financial crisis where... Again, we have pizza delivery guys who make who live on tips, make $20,000 a year trying to own a $300,000 home. Yeah, we don't need that. Two things. One, why are you doing that? And two, what makes you think you've qualified to earn a $300,000 home? Yeah. Everyone wants a nice house. The difference is people work for it and work hard. And again, everybody's heard my speech about working hard. I get very mad about that. That's what happens in conservative America. And by the way, everybody, hope everybody enjoys January 20th. <laughs> so... That's right. If you're a liberal out there, I said it. I hope you enjoy January 20th. Anyway, I'll tell you. What? Nothing. What? You're looking at me like, like you can't believe I said that. No. <laughs> All right, so that is the credit score. So what else do you got on your research? I mean, do we, um, what's the difference between the credit card, prepaid secure card, the debit card? Okay. Whenever people are actually starting to apply to try to get credit with our new, with our younger listeners. So with the younger listeners, I think the best thing anybody can do is when you get your first checking account, I think you have to be 18, don't you? Yes. 18 years old to get your first checking account. I mean, same as accounts, you can be really any age you want. Um, your parents could open it and hand it to you uh, eventually for custody. But I think at the age of 18, you can open your first checking account. I know yes. I did. I was very excited through Bank of America. Put a whopping $400 in it. Thought it was all the money in the world to me at the time. Um, 
But um, once you get your first checking account, for all you younger listeners, um, I suggest you still learn the art of writing and managing money with a paper check. I know it sounds weird with plastic money and electronic fund transfers and whatnot, and electronic payment, but I would suggest that you learn how to write paper checks. You know how people cannot write paper checks anymore? A lot. A lot. It's ridiculous. Um, also, for security purposes, since I'm a security person, for security purposes, make sure that you, um, if you can, memorize your checking account number. I know it sounds stupid, but in cases where cards are stolen or in cases where you need to verify your identity or your banking info, memorize your account number. It's like memorizing your social security number, right? Same thing. <clears throat> Pardon me, folks. So um, when it comes down to the different types of cards, um, I suggest for younger listeners, when you get your first checking account, opt to get your, yourself a debit card. It's probably going to be underwritten as a, to be used like a credit card. Usually it's a Visa or a MasterCard, typically yes. a Visa, right? So you can actually get the concept down of learning how to withdraw money from an account that's a fixed amount. Uh, you'll learn how to also uh, pay for transactions using plastic, but remember that plastic is being funded by your money. So that is essentially a debit is a form of what would you say secure payment? Yes. Because the funds are yours. Yes. It also teaches people how to avoid overdraft fees, et cetera, and also manage their money uh, more more aggressively or more actively. Um, when it comes to unsecured cards for credit versus debit, again, plastic money, but the unsecured debt is essentially being granted to you by a lender in the form of a credit line. Yes. So you don't have to have the money immediately available, but you can only basically borrow up to a certain amount, and you got to pay it back. Now, when it comes down to paying back your credit cards, everybody, I know that most people have credit card debt in the United States, and that's a shame, but I also know most people usually pay interest on their debt. Why would you pay more than something is worth? If I mean, why would you do that? So make sure that if you're going to be using credit cards, you try to pay off more than the minimums and pay those things off or down as much as possible every single uh, statement cut. This way you get that handled. I mean, I pay my credit cards, what, every week? Yes. You ever take every week? That way the balances are zero. <clears throat> and I will never, ever buy anything unless I have at least half the money to buy it. True. At least half, um, if not all of it. Now, I also, of course, use credit cards, too, because they also give me points and rewards and things that using a debit card or cash doesn't. So that is secu unsecured debt versus debit, which is more secure debt. Now, for a secure credit card, these are more of the prepaid cards, right? So if you are looking at repairing a credit, et cetera, or uh, banking light, so to speak, uh, using an un a secure uh, card may actually be a good option for you. You basically fund the card ahead of time with a maximum amount, typically, and you would simply use the card like a credit card, and you basically are paying using your own funds. No different than using a debit card, but the difference between that and a, a secure credit card is that the secure credit card also gives you the benefits of having a credit card without, uh, with the same uh, security of having a debit card. And you also get to convert that card typically over time into an unsecure card. Yes. So that will help also people build credit as well. Right? Yeah, and just make sure they report to all three credit bureaus. True, true. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, you may, even just with being new, having a secure card might be a better way to start building your credit than going out to a retail store to get your credit card. Right. Right. So, all right. Um, that's a good one. Hmm. And then I say just another tip that I have is keep your debt around, at most, 30%. So your DTI? Yes. Your debt to income ratio? Yes. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Um. I mean, right now, I think my DTI is under 2%, maybe. <laughs> I mean, pay for stuff, people. 
I mean, credit cards are not free money. I don't want to sound rude, but it's true. They're not free money. Um, that's money you're going to owe back to somebody else. It's kind of like you can you can imagine having a credit card like like a like basically a loan shark tapping you on the shoulder as soon as you buy something, and say, "Look, where's my money for that? I bought it. Now where is it? I mean, you know what I mean? And I want interest for that because you can't borrow stuff from me without a risk of you not paying me. Exactly. So I mean, even if you did microfinancing, which I have done a few times in the course of my life for small amounts, of course. Um, I ask for an interest payment. Of course I do. I'm not going to let you borrow for free. That's cost of borrowing. Yes. So that's also called the cost of money. And it's also interest you're losing. Yes, it is. Because I could be investing my money in other things. So I need to get a return that is higher than the return that I would typically make from an investment instrument. Therefore, the ability to lend you money is a better return for me than, than investing it myself in a different instrument. So again, it's all about the business of money. Money is a business at the end of the day. All right, so that was the credit score. That was talking also about different types of debt. We also kind of touched on the whole uh, improving bad credit yes. situation. So definitely check out those secure credit cards. And I think, Christina, you would recommend the Discover It card. Yeah, from what I'm saying, it has the best. It actually has, it's a, believe it or not, it's actually a rewards card. Okay. Do or, you cash back? Yeah, cash back or um, points on Amazon. That's nice. You can pick the color of the card, also fund it yourself uh, with up to $500, I think. I think you can um, choose the card. And actually, you can fund it anywhere from... $200 up to $2,000. Ah, okay. Uh, and it's... So basically you fund it with what you're comfortable with with a minimum of 200 But it might be yeah. a good idea, especially if you're teaching your children, if you're an older listener, folks. And I mean that respectfully. If you're an older listener with children who are approaching college age, for example, it might be a good idea to get your kids one of these cards and pre-fund it. So, it, so one, it teaches them how the value of money, and they can't spend more than, than the amount available for the card. And two, have them self-fund it themselves. Because then, once they do that, they can then have that card converted to an unsecured card, right? Yes. So after how many months or a year of uh, payment, or how does this work for the, the secure well, versus unsecured? At least with the Discover a card, they keep review after seven months. They keep reviewing your credit. They keep seeing, all right, are they are they hitting our qualifications yet? They mm -hmm. just keep checking, and then mm -hmm. once you and once you show a stable payment history and keep. Everything in line mm -hmm. after, um, and you hit their other qualifications, they mm -hmm. will convert you over to an actual unsecured card. That's nice. That's nice. So again, for, for younger uh, listeners as well as for parents, that might be a good way to teach your kids about credit and the value of money. I, I don't know what happened in a generation of people. And again, folks, Christina and I are both born in the early 80s, um, but we don't know what happened to people yeah. after a certain point. Um, we're disappointed. In, Very. In, in younger people. And yes, we sound like we're, you know, 80 years old. We're not. But I would rather act older than I am and live older than I am because you're a lot more comfortable when you're a lot more responsible. Yes. So um, I don't want to live like I'm 25. I don't want to be 20 anymore. I mean, 20 was horrible. <laughs> it was. It was horrible. Um, I mean, I know people who are 20 now probably think their lives are great and they're about to turn 21 so they can drink and everything else. But trust me, they're going to pay for that later. Um, but now, I mean, in my 30s, I'll put it that way, some obscure number, yes. but I know I can run for president. Um, so people know I'm at least years old. But um, I, I don't know what happened to people. I, I really don't. I'm so disappointed. What happened to hard work and sacrificing things and delaying gratification but making sure you still gratify? People didn't know how to parent, spoiled their kids, and now they don't know any, basically don't know a thing. Then they get upset like you owe them something. Exactly. They're like, I'm entitled to this. No, no. My tax dollars pay for it, along with millions of other Americans. You are entitled to nothing. You could say thank you. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? 
Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome for me handing you stuff. Exactly. Anyway, I don't want to get on that trip. I was already, I've already been on that power trip once on the show. <laughs> but it's so. true. People need to get rid of the entitlement mentality. That's right. So another way that you can also help yourselves, as well as, again, your, your children, um, is helping them understand the value of interest and accruing wealth as well over time. One way to do that, there's a couple ways. One is a set of retirement accounts, which I think we'll talk about in a different version um, of this podcast, or a different episode, I should say, not a version. Episode later on, uh, probably in the next month or so, in yeah. terms of uh, uh, contributory accounts. Exactly, especially with what you recently discovered. Yes. And we need to research it more. Yes, we do, especially when it comes down to taxes and contributing to your retirement. We'll, we'll get to that in another episode. <laughs> It'll be a good one. <laughs> yes, it will. I'm very happy I did this. <laughs> anyway, a um, couple of things. One... Find yourself a decent, what, what I'll call a moving account. Never let your money sleep, right? Inactive money means money that's not gaining profit. Exactly. So you need to make your money work for you. You, you need passive income or passive movement. One way to do that, and like I said before, you're not going to find these high-yield interest accounts at 6 to 8% anymore, but you will still find high-yield interest accounts in terms of savings accounts, typically from online, um, with at least a percent or so. Now, I use CIT Bank. I earn a percent. But I think, Christina, you found uh, Synchrony Financial? Yes. And they also offer 1.05%. Yes. So what that means, everybody, and it doesn't sound like much when, when somebody says, well, I only have $1,000. Well, would you rather make 1% back on $1,000? Yeah. That's $10 a year. It's true. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, would you rather make that or make nothing? I mean, if I, I'm just plugging that into their calculator. Mm-hmm. For one year at their interest rate, mm-hmm. for a thousand dollars should be I think ten fifty. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Yeah, on here at one point zero five percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, one point zero five percent. Oh, okay. Um, but it, this is rounded to the nearest dollar. Ah, got it. Okay. So, but if I mean after six, if you do nothing with that account and just mm-hmm. leave a thousand dollars in it after five years. Mm-hmm. You would have $1,053. So you made 53 bucks in five years for doing nothing. Exactly. Now, again, everybody says, well, what about inflation and cost of living? Yeah, I get it, everybody. But there's ways to also combat inflation. One of them is to never pay retail. We tell you that all the time. Exactly. And the thing is, if you also just say, be on the conservative side. Contribute $500 a month to it. Mm-hmm. Just re- rerunning the calculator. Mm-hmm. After one year, you would have $7,000. $39 in that account. And that was putting $500 a month month away for how many years? For 12 months. That's not bad. No. And then if you actually look at it for five years, you'd have $31,833 if you continue to put in that right, $5 a question. month. Let me ask you this question. Yes. If I took $300,000 of my own money, and I'm not going to tell our audience if I do or don't have that this much This is money. hypothetical. It's hypothetical, but you know, part there's a part of truth in this. So let's say, let's say I have a quarter million dollars. Okay. Okay. And yes, folks, I've been working for a long time. It's my 17th year in my industry, so I've done okay for myself. Let's say I put a quarter million dollars of liquid cash, okay, away in the Synchrony Financial uh, system. And then how much are you going to add per month? Let's say I add nothing. Okay. Let's say I add nothing. It's, it's just a passive income account. So how much would I make over, let's, do you have, a, do you have a, a rate calculator for a year, maybe five years? I do. At $300,000 for the first year, what would I okay, make? Okay, I did quarter year? million. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. Because that's what we dropped it to. Right. Sorry. You would actually profit $2,614. For doing nothing? Yes. Okay. Guys, gals, $2,600, that's a raise. And if then, you don't get one in your job, that is a raise. And then the best, after six, after, excuse me, after uh, five years or 60 months? Yes. 
you would have a profit of $13,344. People, it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, get your money away on these accounts. And then, here's the kicker, everybody. So I'll go ahead and give away what I, what I, what I, my strategy may be moving forward, depending on what, what uh, my tax worthiness issue might be in terms of my tax year every year. Yeah. Build yourself a shelter, a contributory account, maybe an IRA or some other kind of accounts. Because what you can do is you can put away contributions and also write those off of your income taxes. So for a traditional IRA, for example, put your quarter million dollars or $100,000 or $50,000 away. Take that interest every year. And instead of paying taxes on it, because you will be liable to pay federal taxes on that interest. Yes. Trust me, I paid over $600 in federal taxes last year. On a small... On interest of about $2,000. Yeah, so it's about 25%. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that adds up. Actually, it's about a third, believe it or not, because $1,800, $600, that's a third. So 33%. So, yeah, I paid about 30% tax on that. So... In order to alleviate some of that... And save your money. If you have a contributory account, like a traditional IRA, let's say after the end of that first year, that quarter million dollars, you said $2,600, right? Yeah. You could take that $2,600, put that in your contributory account, and save that away for the future, and write that off so you wouldn't have to pay taxes on that. Yes, you... uh, You You would self-fund your retirement. Exactly. You would self-fund retirement that way. And then you still have liquid cash available for any emergencies or anything else that might be happening. Exactly. Um, and the same token as well. Remember, folks, the FDIC only insures up to a quarter of a million dollars in a given account. Yes. So once you get to a certain point, my example of 300000 is actually a bad example. Well, you can actually have more than one account. Yes. And Christina's right. You can have a quarter million dollars in one account, 50000 in another account. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or just split it up 150, 150000 Right. And if you're under the age of, I believe, 50, according to my wealth management at Schwab... Um, yes, my wealth management, because I'm so prissy. Um, basically, I believe you're under the age of 50. You can contribute up to $5,500 into a traditional IRA. Every year. Every year, and write that off in its entirety as contributions from your federal taxes. Yes. Yep. So you also build yourself a nice little tax shelter there, too, because let's say that you uh, fill out your uh, return and you find out through, via, let's say, a vehicle like, I don't know, an online vehicle like, oh, let's just say TurboTax, which is not a sponsor of the show. Let's say you owe $200. Well, if you make some adjustments to your retirement... <laughs> there you go. You can even yourself out or even get a refund out of the yes. deal. So um, it's a nice way to give you a vehicle to have contributory monies totally uh, available to you. You can give as much or as little as you need to to balance out your tax bill if that's an option for you. I mean, assuming you don't owe thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, hopefully. But it's a good way to give you contributions to help you out with the tax bill. Uh, for Uncle Sam, and I'm not saying not to pay a fair share. I totally agree with that, um, but it does help you out from time to time, right? Yes. So, um, I, I think people also do not have retirement accounts for that reason. They they feel like their money is going to be tied up or they're going to give too much to it or they can't get to it without a penalty. Not true. I mean, always make sure you're solvent. These are ways to help you do it in the new year. Um, is there anything else you had on your list? I mean, that's it. I mean, we really have handled the, the at least getting started with getting credit and get, starting to get your finances straight. Uh, as you said in the later episode, we're going to be going over Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, other ways to help with and tax with the, season. With the Roth and traditional IRAs, it's essentially a pay-now-pay-later model. Roth IRA, which you contribute now, is not tax-deductible, um, but it's tax-deferred for uh, accruals in a traditional IRA, but you will pay those taxes when you start to draw on it. But I don't see the point there of it being that much of a problem Simply because you're going to pay on your Social Security withholdings that you're going to be granted. Hopefully, we will get our Social Security holdings. 
you're going to pay tax on that as income anyway. So what's the difference? Exactly. Does that makes sense? It's like, well, what's the difference? You're going to pay tax on the Social Security that you're going to be getting anyway, so what's the difference? Which I think is, in a way, kind of like double taxation. Yes. Well, is it or is it not? It may not be, because I think Social Security withholdings are tax uh, deductible, but I'm not, not don't, don't. Don't quote you on that. that. I mean, consult a tax accountant or a tax attorney, etc. But or a financial advisor. And by the way, as closing for the topic, then we can wrap it up and get out of here. You think? Yes. Um, but I did want to say this. I mean, again, what we've given you on this episode is nothing more than suggestions. Um, but I suggest that everybody consult a financial advisor. Um, if you don't have a financial advisor. There's a lot of uh, financial planners and other free services out there that are available to you. Of course, you can do your web research. Um, also, if you're looking at moving to a branchless banking system uh, using one of the non-traditional banks, many of them also have financial staff that will help you. In fact, the IRA situation, I called Schwab, uh, who actually has several of my accounts, and they were very helpful and friendly. And they also gave me exact dates of when I need to contribute to my retirement accounts, etc. So it was very helpful. Consult others. I mean, this is not an end-all, be-all. We just thought we would give you options or ideas in the new year to help uh, with your financial future. All right. You want to go and wrap it up, Christina? Yes. Um, actually, did you touch on the podcast Royale comment? I was actually going to um, as a next step, but I'm glad you, you gave me that segue. Because I was going to basically ask if you were ready to wrap it up and then yes. talk about podcast Royale. So, all right. So, Christina's ready to wrap it up, but we have one more update. So... We have decided, uh, we've talked about this before, podcastroyale.com is still out there, folks. We are working on the network, and we have now set an end of Q1 into early Q2 2017 launch date uh, for the network. And we're going to be launching the network with three podcasts, a financial podcast, which I will be hosting and anchoring. Christina will still be producing, thank goodness. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's useful. Uh, Christina will also be hosting her own, uh, I would say, fitness-oriented and health-oriented podcast. Yeah. Um, and we'll also be using Frugal Snobs. We'll be converting over to the Podcast Royale Network as a flagship anchor show. So no worry, folks. You'll still be able to catch the Fruitless podcast throughout the web and syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and um, Stitcher, among other networks. But at the same time, we'll also be launching our own network. Now, if you are an aspiring podcaster and you'd like to get your podcast out on a network, and we will also help with other services as well, including helping to see you to syndicate your podcast hosting your podcast media as a media server or media service, and also hosting uh, specific landing pages for your podcast. Um, at any rate, folks, I'll be giving more details on that. But at the same time, if you are an aspiring podcaster, get in touch with us. Send an email to frugalsnobs at gmail.com. We'll give you more details, and also in future episodes over the next couple of weeks, I'll be giving out additional information as to how you can submit your podcast. Uh, also allows us to give a good listen, also categorize your show. But we have three shows coming up as flagship uh, shows to found the network and we're looking really much forward to that so at any rate folks you ready to wrap it up yes all right everybody take care of yourselves this week be well never pay retail we'll see everybody for episode 83 take care everybody and take care of yourselves and each other go hey everybody this is justin from fullsnobs.com everybody enjoyed episode 82 of fullsnobs podcast and as promised i'm back with another quick drink review from cab city brewing I'm actually having the double mosaic brewed again at Cap City Brewing in Shirlington, Virginia. This is actually being served in a roughly a 10-ounce brandy snifter, it looks like. 8.5% ABV, so consume responsibly. If you check this beer out, folks, 93 IBUs. Immediately when you take a sniff on this thing in terms of the aromatics, very fruity. Um, to the sip, to the mouth, um, served very cold, by the way. Um, very, very bitter, but very, very refreshing. It's a nice aromatic fruit scent, a nice punch of fruit in the foretaste a bitter aftertaste. Very drinkable. I would enjoy as a standalone, and again, enjoy responsibly. 
Hope everybody enjoyed episode 82. We'll see you guys in episode 83. Until then, be well. Never pay a retail. Take care of yourself and each other. Take care, everybody.